0: Welcome back to another episode of Whore Cats and Chats. I like that. Um, but it's Katie and Izzy. We're back at it, hanging out, uh, doing the things we do across the country from each other again.
1: I know. It felt like a really long time since we've recorded. I'll be honest. I don't even know when our last episode came out.
0: <laughs> I just know it's the beginning of April, so I think we're failing considering it's the beginning of May. Sorry, guys. So... Crazy month.
1: Uh, we promise that from now on we're gonna be more better. on it. Yeah, yeah. We've we are in better places. Um,
0: things are more organized. We're more set up a little bit now. Um, our lives have just been busy and a little bit like all over the place. So I mean, they're yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, not to be like one of those podcasts that does a ten minute intro about our personal lives because everyone's been through some shit. But from my side, I. Oh, man. Finished my master's. I've had three family members get uh, diagnosed with cancer in the past year, and God
0: damn, three! We, I'm sorry. Yes, three. Jesus.
1: Uh, we took in a foster dog. That was a whole thing. The rescue that I was volunteering with ended up shutting down over some nonsense drama. That was a whole thing. Hmm. Uh, and I got my first grown-up, hopeful adult job. congrats. And so now we're here. And then Katie, we've also been doing all of Katie's wedding planning stuff, and she's got stuff going on at work, and it's just been a hot mess. So thank you for your patience. And I know that all of you are also going through the same things, so we send you vibes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, All all the hope you can get at this point.
1: But now that we have kind of hopefully mellowed out a little bit, We do have plans to get on top of stuff. We also have more plans for some extra content to come out uh, in between Mm -hmm. our every two weeks. Uh, So once that officially gets going, we will be sure to release it and let you know. Otherwise, uh, keep sending us your requests.
0: Yeah, do that. Please.
1: Which leads us into this week's movie.
0: It is... Dark Water from 2005, which was a remake of the uh, Japanese horror film that also is called Dark Water that came out in 2002, which makes this the 10 year anniversary that it has been out 20 year anniversary that has been out. I can math. Yep, you're (laughs) right. It's the 20th anniversary since that that movie came out. It's the Uh,
1: 10-year anniversary of its 10-year anniversary.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You know, just double it. Um, You can watch the 2002 version on Tubi for free. The 2005 version is on HBO Max if you have a subscription.
1: Which is the only reason I was like, let's do this, because it came out. And I was like, I don't know how long it's going to be on there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that too. I remember watching this movie when I was really little for many different times. But both of these movies um, are based on the Japanese short story "Floating Water," which are by Koji Suzuki, I think, um, who also wrote the story which would inspired the Ring trilogy. Which uh, stories with that movie, man? Stories with that fucking movie. So, uh. Walter Salas directed the 2005 *Dark Water* that we watched. He was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which I hear is a beautiful place.
1: Uh, yeah. They hosted the Olympics once. No. Yeah. Was it the, or the World Cup? I was thinking the World Cup. It was the World Cup. They also, I think, did the Olympics at some point, but I'm thinking World Cup.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, he's done mainly documentaries, kind of a lot of them, and Dark Water was kind of the only horror film that I could find on his movie list. Um, True. but he did, he, uh, he directed a film called Paris Je T'aime, which, um, you know, if you took French, maybe you watched it in French class.
1: I definitely watched it in college French, because it has, it's one of those ones where it's kind of an anthology that follows different couples, And each one has varying degrees of French speaking in it. And the very last one is like this woman from a southern United States talking. And it sounds like uh, an American college student talking. It's like, je t'aime Francaise. (laughs) We were all like, that's us. (laughs) She was like, parlez-vous Francaise.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. I took a lot of French and it's sad that I don't remember a lot of it. I I'm, took a lot of French.
1: I'm with you. I when I I can read it still kind of um mm-hmm. like if it's in subtitles, I can yeah. kind of catch it if they're speaking something slowly. A, no, like if they're talking about like elementary topics, um oh, I can yeah. understand it. Yeah. Uh but yeah, other They'll than will be
0: watching a movie and and something in French will ha- will happen and that like be spoken. I'm like, I know they said something about this word. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was that word in it. So like maybe somebody's dead. I don't know, but death was mentioned.
1: If you don't know, the French version of a orgasm is Le, pit- le petite Le Petit Mort, which is the tiny death or the small death. Yeah. Yep. That's the only thing I'll ever remember. That and a wand is uh le baguette magique
0: <laughs> I mean like I still remember like l'éléphant and parlez-vous français, je m'appelle Catherine, and like I know like the introductions and shit but fuck you start getting talking in French and I'm like um <laughs> so back to Walter Salas he has 58 wins and 34 nominations for films that were not Darkwater <laughs> a lot of documentaries still impressive yeah
1: um he i i wasn't going to talk about it but i feel like i should and i am dumb because i erased the name from our notes but one of his favorite directors that he references is a i want to say he is in the middle east he's a middle eastern director and i think he does horror and like documentaries. um and he's been jailed because his content was cancelled like, they wouldn't allow him to release it there. Uh, but it's pretty cool. So maybe we'll do something either of his or about him because...
0: I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. It's, uh...
1: You know what? I'm just going to pause this real quick. We paused the recording so I could actually look up this guy's name.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Iranian, uh, Iranian director. Got it.
1: His name is Jafar Panahi. If you are American, that's how you would pronounce it. <laughs> so sorry <laughs> to the rest of the world. Uh, he
0: Please is... He us how to properly pronounce it. Uh,
1: like Katie said, he's an Iranian film director, uh, but he has been, like, imprisoned for his works, being um, here probably completely acceptable, but not acceptable there. But, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool that they... Um, it always blows my mind when groups artists like support each other and that kind of stuff because sometimes it's their supporters that are able to kind of get the rest of the world to be like oh yeah I guess he's not completely wrong or something like that if that made any sense it made sense in my head come on in the water's fine
0: anyway I think it's because he does a lot of like fighting back movies too like, he did one called Offsides about women that can't go to soccer matches, so they disguise themselves and they go to these soccer matches. I don't know, I guess I got excited. It just had to do with soccer.
1: Uh, it's, um, yeah, we did. should watch that one, simply because it makes me think of Bendit Like Back Up. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. Get out of my head. Um,
1: but she was to- <laughs> Pakistani, not Iranian. We know the difference, just in case someone yeah. wants to fire at us. Yeah. Please don't.
0: <laughs> We've watched that movie way too many times. Um, back to Walter Salas. Walter Salis, uh, Dark-, Dark Water itself got six nominations, but no wins came out of it, so they tried, but no, no such luck.
1: Honestly, I'm kind of surprised I got nominated.
0: I, uh, oh, well, there are a lot of some, there, there are some weird nominated things. I mean, okay, I was going to say Fangoria Chainsaw Awards is kind of what I was expecting to come out of that one. Um,
1: I think later I talk about uh, who the winners were that they opposed. And then you're like, oh, okay, I see why they lost. But we'll get there. Deal. Uh, So as Katie mentioned, this is based on the novel by Koji Suzuki. He was born in Hamamatsu, Shizuoka, Japan. The original novel was released in 1996 in Japan under the title... Also, I'm so sorry to anyone who speaks Japanese.
0: <laughs> right after, yeah, that. we apologize now. Um, um, we know we're gonna butcher these. <laughs> uh,
1: under the title Honogurai Mitsu Soko Kara, the literal translation that uh, Wikipedia told me <laughs> is "From the Depths of Dark Waters." Also, if you try and Google Dark Water right now. Yeah. We'll all the do it,
0: Dark Waters. Just Dark Water.
1: And you have to put the year or else the new movie Dark Waters is the only thing you will see anything about.
0: Yeah. It just pops up everywhere. Uh,
1: yeah. When I first Googled it, I was like, I didn't remember these people being in that movie. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that, wait.
0: <laughs> that's what I was like, this is not the movie that I know. Like, I know the cover of this movie.
1: Yeah. It threw me through a loop. Uh, The English version of this was released as Dark Water in 2004, and it is actually a collection of short stories. So Floating Water is the... I think it's the first one in the uh, the series. They're not related at all, by the way. Uh, This is the short story adapted into the film that came out in 2002 by Hideo Nakata.
0: Who is a great horror director in Japan.
1: And internationally he's great <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah yeah he's done his his movies are definitely scarier than anything we have here so and there's that
1: we've kind of mentioned it before about how Japanese horror can get lost in translation in America and I did do a tiny bit of research because I didn't want to flood everybody for three hours uh so we'll talk about that aspect of it a little bit later but he's like a big part of that so uh, another short story is called "Solitary Isle," and it's about a young man who sets out to discover the truth behind his dead friend's boat. Oh, I'm sorry, boast that he dumped his girlfriend naked on Battery Number Six, and Battery Number Six is an artificial island in the middle of Tokyo Bay. So that would make oh, okay. sense if you lived there. The Hold is a f- about a fisherman who beats his wife and son and tries to uncover the reason for his wife's disappearance. And why he has a throbbing headache. They're all very happy ending stories, it seems like. <laughs> not. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, the next one's Dream Cruise. A young man is invited out on a mini-cruise by a couple who wish to entice him into a pyramid sale scheme. Fairly soon, bizarre things happen on the boat. And Dream Cruise was adapted for the Masters of Horror Showtime Cable Network series in 2007. And it was directed by uh, Tsuruta Norio. Mm. And uh, the next one's Adrift. The crew of a fishing trawler happen across an abandoned yacht, similar in situation to the Mary Celeste. The film rights for this story have been optioned by MGM and Blumhouse. Uh, Buh, bada, Darren Aronofsky is set to direct and Jared Leto will star in it. I did Google it. It is true. It doesn't have a release date yet, but it does say that it's going to be about a fishing boat that discovers an abandoned yacht with a strange strange distress call. I cannot talk. A deckhand agrees to take lone control of it. I'm assuming that will be Jared Leto while it's towed into port. But soon he discovers why it is called a quote unquote ghost ship.
0: Aaron Affleckski if i remember correctly did Black Swan.
1: Ooh, i know his name's familiar but
0: Hang on, i'm on it.
1: I loved Black Swan.
0: I know. I we bolted, we watched it a thousand times. Yeah, he totally directed Black Swan.
1: What else has he directed? Or, um... is, or is that the only one we would like really. He's good at psychological thrillers, so i think uh
0: that one producer, will like probably be pretty her. good. Okay, so he did *Pie*, *Requiem for a Dream* in two thousand, *Black Swan*, um, *Mother*. He did *Mother*. Wow. That movie is fucked up, by the way. That movie is so fucked up. Um, a lot of people walked out of that movie. It's hard to watch. Uh, but yeah, he's. It's in pre-production right now. It's it's on his IMDb for *Adrift*.
1: Well then, I'm pretty excited about that one because he's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's gonna be pretty interesting. He is a good director. We've watched uh, Black Swan countless of times. Mother's a great movie. It's just really, really dark and really fucked up.
1: He is really the gross. Wes Craven of our time, I guess. <laughs> uh, of
0: them, we're, we're slowly gaining a few more.
1: Uh, Yeah, it'll be interesting because it's a solitary horror, like a confined... Mm -hmm. What is it? When you're trapped. I don't remember what I... Like a quarantine horror, kind of. So, we'll see. Uh, The next one that's in there is Watercolors. It's about an amateur dramatic troupe stages a play in a converted disco, but strange things start happening on the floor above. (laughs) Finally, Forest Under the Sea, the only story in the collection to have no real supernatural element two spelunkers discover an unexplored cave but become trapped. Suzuki here explores the emotions of regret and longing. It ties in with the epilogue story. All right. Uh he has six books I love the word
0: of spelunkers. I'm sorry. I just fucking love the word of spelunkers. You know what? I
1: was as soon as I said that, I almost diverted into a tangent about weird words. <laughs>
0: I used to use that word when
1: I was a kid. <laughs> so other weird words that popped into my head: roar. I can't say that word. <laughs> <Drawer>? Roar. <laughs> Tyler was trying to get. It. I just cannot say it normally. It, like by itself, I can't say it, but I can say it in a sentence. Um, but like he was like, say drawer, and I was like drawer, and he was like, no, you're saying it wrong. And I was like, I don't know what I'm saying. Road is a weird word. Uh, like the more you say it, the weirder it gets.
0: Uh-oh. I hate the words that like you say it so many times, and you're like, "How is this a real fucking word?" Rural
1: will never be a real word in my book. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, lots of. Weird I used words. to not be able to say specific. It used to only come out like Pacific and things like that because I just couldn't get the sp in it. Like I, I never when I was little, that was not a thing in my in my my mind. I it took me years, and I had to go specific. Thick. <laughs> and like i sounded like a two-year-old but i got it i didn't say it now sometimes i still fuck up but like yeah <laughs> anyways back to this
1: <laughs> more fun words he has six books in the ring series which he also authored he wow. has been quoted as saying that his favorite horror film was the original poltergeist which actually inspired him to write the ring
0: interesting that's kind of cool
1: and Hmm. that is all I have about that guy
0: yeah so the screenplay for Dark Water in 2005 was adapted by uh, Raphael Iglesias did did I say that right Okay. I thought I did I just want to make sure Uh, he also is the writer for the 2001 From Hell movie he did an earlier episode discussing Jack the Ripper which is kind of cool because Jack the Ripper is that's a story and it's in itself that could be that has been researched and searched and done some more research in different critical ways and it's just there's too much about Jack the Ripper that is still unknown I feel
1: yeah our episode like barely scratched the surface of
0: that yeah so interview in an interview with chudcom he said I felt like the original film was an was a homage to uh, Rosemary's babies and so what I kind of did was think of it as I was doing Rosemary's Baby again in a different way. Have you ever seen Rosemary's Baby?
1: I have not. It's referenced all the time. but yeah, It's
0: I... a very well-known older horror movie that kind of set standards for some stuff.
1: I figured we would get to it eventually. Yeah. Because it is one of those, like, trailblazing classics, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked during the same interview do you see this as a ghost story or a psychological fil- a horror film horror film sorry Iglesias said to me it is a ghost story I guess you could call it a psychological horror film but to me it is a classic ghost story it has all the elements there's a ghost with a, t- with a tremendous psychological desire that unites, it, uh, that unites it in some way to the heroine's need, uh, needs needs that really is what the film is about. To me, a horror film is more explicitly terrifying in terms of gore or some demonic character. Which, yeah, okay. Uh, Whereas a ghost story is a person who can understand, who needs you to understand, who needs you to understand, which can meet... Sorry, I'm struggling on this last sentence right now. It's
1: it's an awkward phrasing. So it says, whereas a ghost story is a person you can understand whose needs you can understand, which means it has kind of obvious impact on the characters. To me, it's a classic ghost story, more like The Others or Turn of the Screw or any of the classic ghost stories. To me, The Ring is more a true horror film in that you're dealing with a demon, a force that is not a person. And again, that is in a American version of, like the american interpretation the ring is not a demon in japan they don't really have i mean they have i don't know we'll get into it another time but did your
0: air conditioning or something just turn on
1: my garage is being opened
0: um i was like that's really loud what is that
1: yeah i'm sitting right above the garage
0: (laughs) Oh, okay, that makes more sense now. So this is a brief and not super detailed description of the events of this film because we have a lot to talk about with this film because there's a lot that is um, coincidentally, coincidentally wrapped around it.
1: And to be honest, there's not a whole lot of stuff to go into in the film itself. It's pretty straightforward. It's very
0: straightforward film. It's a very straightforward film. Uh, I be-
1: forgot. And because well, it well, is older, there's not a whole lot of like behind-the-scenes stuff to go through either. That just, like, wasn't a big deal back then. So <laughs> I went to IMDB, and uh, sometimes I like to just scroll through people's descriptions to see what they put, because some people are hilarious. Um, and there were two that I was like, these are just the most succinct, perfect descriptions of this movie I could find. I can't come up with anything better. So I adapted those for our use. They were provided by screen name uh, Amit Kosan. Might be a real person, but I don't know. And Nick Reganus.
0: Yeah, these were on IMDb. (laughs) So, still vulnerable from the traumatic separation and a bitter custody battle with her former husband, Kyle, the troubled and financially hard-pressed single mother, Dahlia... And her young sister, her young daughter Cecilia, moved into 9F, a creepy and broken-down one-bedroom apartment in an equally creepy, um, broken-down building, on an equally eerie Roosevelt Island in New York City.
1: <laughs> and that is why we borrowed that.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Um, I would like to preface this whole thing by saying I refuse to call that girl Sassy. I freaking hated that during the whole movie when she's like Sassy, Sassy, Sassy.
0: Just another coincidence.
1: Her name will be Cecilia. Sessy Ceci is a horrible shortening for that name. I'm so sorry if your parents or your friends call you that.
0: <laughs> really, it'd be better just do like C.
1: I was I'd like Cece, Celia, yeah. Anything other than Sessie. It's just I think it's just the way she says it, and she repeats it so many times. It just makes me want to throw a brick against another brick and do absolutely okay. no damage.
0: Maybe a um, chip off one of the bricks, but it's Yeah,
1: fine. a chip off a brick. That's what you've earned. So uh, a, I, I am not from New York City. I've never been to New York City. I don't really My know. My
0: sister's what, in New York City. I
1: don't really know anything about New York City. Nope. So I did have to Google Roosevelt Island, and it turns out that it is a pretty cool place. Not back in the day, though. <laughs> so right. although the film definitely makes it seem really eerie and empty... Besides her, like, awesome school, apparently. New York tourism sites often say it is one of the better places to live if you want an urban feel away from the craziness of New York itself. And then if you, like, look a little bit deeper into the history, it's pretty dark and dreary. It used to be named Blackwell's Island. So what is funny about that is whenever we were watching the film, they do, like, a lot of overhead shots of her apartment complex. And I was like, oh my gosh, that place looks like a penitentiary. And it turns out that according to the National Park Service website, for much of the early 1900s, New Yorkers nicknamed the island Welfare Island because it housed asylums, prisons, and almshouses. It was basically, like, where they put all the untouchables.
0: <laughs> all right. That would make sense.
1: So the first penitentiary was built on the island in 1832, and it was quickly followed by a bunch of workhouses, a general hospital, an almshouse. Which I think is like a homeless shelter, basically. Right. Uh, a hospital for quote unquote incurables. Uh, I think mm. it was like TB, was yeah. the big one, um, and a smallpox hospital.
0: Uh, ha. foreshadowing. Sorry.
1: As well as the New York City Lunatic Asylum. Mm. And this All right. is the same island where the original and unfortunately named Typhoid Mary was quarantined. Uh, for the latter part of her life. I think she died on that island. Uh, There was also a badass investigative journalist named Nellie Bly, who went undercover in the New York City lunatic asylum for 10 days in 1887. After which, she wrote a depressing article detailing how she and other patients were severely abused. And needless to say, that had, uh, like, it created ripples, essentially, that ended... The existence of that uh, insane asylum,
0: and that sounds like the story to American Horror Story: Asylum. Possibly, That's like almost oh yeah, exactly of it. That's almost the exact situation where she gets her. She's a journalist, and she goes in.
1: I have seen uh-huh. that episode. Yeah, there you go. That very well might be based off that. What was her name in that? Look it up, Lana. Oh yeah, it okay. was something like that. Um, but basically. They ended up moving patients off the island into newer, quote-unquote, better facilities, and the last patient left between 1910 and 1920
0: sometime. American Horror Story Asylum. Apparently you have to type in this whole fucking thing, because everything... I'll just keep
1: going until you find it. Uh, The island was renamed the Roosevelt Island in 1973 to honor the president. And the Octagon, which was built originally in 1834 as the main entrance to the New York City Lunatic Asylum which was opened in 1841 is the only part of the original building that remains standing. It was listed on the national registrar of historic places on March 16, 1972. There are a few other protected ruins on the Island. um, I think that are related. Some of them are like from the prison and a couple of hospitals or something like that, but they're basically just like piles of stones. (laughs) Uh,
0: So it's Lana. It's Lana winters is her name. Gotcha. and Sarah Polson's character and mainly this. Okay, so it's kind of like the idea, but it's not because Lana Winters went into this insane asylum to get the full story on this murderer that went in to the insane asylum rather than to do research on the asylum itself.
1: You know so. what? It was still a good poll. I'll accept it. Thanks.
0: Thanks. I tried. <laughs>
1: uh, there are plenty of articles stating that it's haunted and like you should go visit, um, but it sounds like from people who live there like a lot of residents are actually being like no i've lived here many moons it is not haunted i don't hear anything so it sounds like it's just like tourism fodder for them being like come and visit the island yeah yeah okay but yeah that's what i found i just thought that was kind of cool no
0: for sure so getting into the movie itself Dahlia Williams is played by Jennifer Conley, who is very well known, or probably most well known for her part in Labyrinth. She is the main character, if nobody knows that. Um, I've only watched that movie a thousand and a half times. She was also in Requiem for a Dream, which means that she's worked with this director before. No,
1: um, you're thinking of. The writer. No, you're thinking of Anna Fosky, the guy who's doing the Adrift short story
0: you're right. I am. <laughs> now I'm getting all confused. Two but issues. it's still
1: it's still tied in, which is yeah. so and weird how that together. always happens.
0: Um she's also in A Beautiful Mind, which is a fucking beautiful movie. The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Dilemma and many other good movies. She's very well known. She's been around and yes, her uh her her Labyrinth character will probably be the best known for many moons. She is a lucky fucker and I hate her so much for this. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> She, She's married to Paul Bettany. I'm in love with that man. You see his beautiful ass in a night's tail, even though it's covered in dirt. They have two kids together. Congratulations. I'm jealous as fuck. Um, it's fine. Whatever. She has a Sagittarius just like you is. So. Yeah, Sagittarius, you know you. You have fun with that. Um, According to rumors, the character Veronica in The Heathers, which is a really great movie, uh, was originally written with her in mind, but she turned down the role. So... Um, That would have been very interesting to see her as, but I think Winona Ryder killed it. Yes, I agree. Uh, She was just so good. But she does have one Oscar. She has 14 other wins and 28 nominations, one of which is for Dark Water. But she did lose to Cécile de France uh, for her part in High Tension. I haven't seen High Tension.
1: I have no idea what it is. But... Darkwater also lost the Fangoria Chainsaw 2006 Best Screenplay and Best Film to Rob Zombie's Devil Rejects.
0: Okay, <laughs> that movie's so fucking good. That movie. Oh God! If you want to talk for hours, we're gonna do a Rob Zombie movie because. I met Rob Zombie. I have talked to it. I we'll talk about all of this in thirty one because we'll do thirty one at some point. I know too much about that movie.
1: See, that's why I was like, I don't even understand why it was nominated because it lost to Devil's. Re- like, you're like, are they in the same? Are they in the same field?
0: No, no not at all. <laughs> not at all. Rob Zombie, oh, his mind, the way it works. They were probably. I became, they I were became like friends with Meg Foster. She knew me by name. It was wonderful. If anybody knows who's, who that is? You understand. But.
1: They they were probably like, um, so obviously Devil's Rejects is gonna win. What other films do we want to nominate? People are like, I don't know, just put three down, and they're like, all right, A, B, C, D, Dark Water.
0: <laughs> like a pound in the head. Like, good try, but yeah, he's gonna take it. Okay, we're gonna do Rob Zombie at some point because I'm really excited. And now I want to watch Rob Zombie, so I'm gonna do that after this. Back to the Dark Water. <clears throat> Cecilia Williams is played by Ariel Gade, who was meant to be a six-year-old in the film, but was actually eight years old. She stopped working as at least an actress in 2011. That was her last movie that came out after that. It's been a ghost story from her. Uh, she does have two nominations for a TV show she did after this film, um, and she was in Alien vs. Predator Requiem. But again, nothing after 2011, and uh The A V P Requiem was such a disaster. I think.
1: So, this past year, Tyler's had me watch Predator, and I just watched the
0: original Predator.
1: Um, whatever one has the like handshake that is the meme.
0: And like, okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good. Okay, and
1: then I just watched Alien last week.
0: Surprises me because so. my dad showed me Alien
1: when I was like ten. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. It's a whole new guess, world for me. I guess my
0: dad has always loved those movies. So,
1: but but okay. Uh, Ariel Gate has a LinkedIn profile, and it says that she is currently working. Or late, like her most recent work was an, as an actor coach at the Brooke Byler Acting Studios. Her, like, mission statement thing says, I'm currently looking for a position where I can aid in the film production process and utilize my knowledge of the entertainment industry from working both on and off the camera in order to create meaningful, high-quality entertainment.
0: All right. I think it's cool that she stepped away from acting, but is still trying to, like, help and be a part of, like, the future of acting in a way. Kind of cool. There is an unslightly dark and dirty water spot in the bedroom ceiling. Of their new really gross apartment that they just rented, the spot increasingly grows worse with each de- each passing day and-, and the superintendent Mr. Vec. reluctantly agrees to fix the link and repair fix the link leak God damn it fix the leak and repair the ceiling um
1: to be fair to fix the leak they have to link some pipes together so there yeah, you they go do. uh
0: Mr. Uh, Vec is played by. Pete, hostile weight um, you want to know what I know his ass from I know his ass from Jurassic World uh, the second one he plays an asshole
1: I know him from James and the Giant Peach
0: yeah, I was about to say that movie too <laughs> he's also um, uh, he was in
1: he's in Alien 3
0: Dragonheart, Dragonheart. Last of the
1: Mohicans, Dragonheart omen and inception
0: yep he's a, he's a really great actor his face is very recognizable he's got a really big nose not to be rude but he does <laughs> uh dragon heart is probably one of my most well known because that was the first thing that popped into my head was his scene with that it's funny that
1: you <clears throat> say that about his nose because i threw in a quote in here that says um it's all in the cheekbones this career of mine they are quite whopping aren't they who was it that said he looks like he's got a clavicle stuck in his mouth? <laughs> that was <laughs> something he said about himself.
0: Sadly, he died 11 years ago in on January 2nd, 2011. He was 64, and he was in Shrewsbury, Shropshire, Shores- England, UK. That was so hard to say. Um, his son Billy is also an actor, but I didn't. We didn't really recognize him from anything. Um, in all reality.
1: And in addition to being, sorry, go ahead. I'm good. Okay, I was just I'm gonna just- say, <laughs> I'm gonna go. In addition okay. to being an actor, uh, he was also an activist for climate change and yeah. uh, not a fan of the war in Iraq.
0: Mm-hmm. He was. He's a. He was a really cool guy, from what I know. Um, but he had. He did did have an Oscar nomination in 1993. He had four other wins um, for awards. And then he was nominated for 12 other things before he passed.
1: Um, I think he might have died of pancreatic cancer. There's not... Like, in some sources, it just says cancer. They've all been hush-hush. Yeah. So, that's what I think it was. But in this Uh, film, he was... A very unusual character and he had his own brand of creepiness and secrets
0: he did yes so this creepiness and his secrets become more evident when uh, cecilia finds a hello kitty backpack on the roof of the building near the water tower that she wasn't supposed to be around and the owner of the building mr murray uh who aka is played by john c riley who we'll get to in a minute he tells Cecilia that if the owner doesn't show in one week, she can have the bag and all of its contents. Mr. Vec ends up lying to her and throwing the bag away, claiming it was picked up by the little girl. <laughs> very very suspicious. If I do say so myself. Back to the scummy landlord, Mr. Meeks. Um, Mr. It's not Mr. Meeks, it's Mr. Murray. <laughs> I
1: combined veeks, because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> okay, that means I was
0: like, Like I'm not sure where you're getting meeks, but okay. Mr. Scummy Landlord, Mr. Murray, is played by the one and only John C. Riley, who I love so much. And when I rewatched this movie, I was like, Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Because when I was little, I didn't know who he was. Now I know him from everything. Because obviously, from our generation, he is best probably known for his uh, role in Step Brothers. But he also has many other movies, including Cirque du Freak: The Vampire's Assistant. He's been in a lot of movies with Will Smith, uh, or not with not with Will Smith, with Will Ferrell. Um he he's such a great actor. I love John C. Riley. So and he's also in a new TV show that's out in HBO Max that a lot of people really like or something. Could not uh, tell ya. Yeah, he's also been in he was also in like Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. But he's just so good. He was also nominated for the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for best supporting actor uh, for his role in Dark Water but lost to William Forsythe for Devil's Rejects proper loss just saying <laughs> that's all of their losses were to Devil's Rejects <laughs> I can go I can go on another tangent if we really want to about Rob Zombie cuz he's quite wonderful but I think I think I'll save you from that <laughs> so since moving into the apartment and finding uh the backpack cecilia has developed an imaginary friend named natasha which causes her problems at her new school and with her mom natasha tells cecilia things about dahlia's mother like who or who abandoned her as a child and apparently she never really got past that situation so she takes pills for it for like the ptsd um Dahlia also has some ma- major abandonment issues with the sur- like, which surface with everything going on with her husband who is, uh, you know, battling with the custody battle and, and everything with her and they're they just separated and divorced. Dahlia is also losing time and experiencing migraines and basically kind of losing her grip on this, like, statue of reality over what is going on in just her apartment alone. But, you know... When your daughter's seeing Imaginary Friends and it's causing serious problems, what else are you going to do and deal with?
1: (laughs) And, of course, it's not made any easier by Natasha, the little ghost girl,
0: who is haunting them. Yeah. she's She's causing all of this problem. So... This especially is big when Dahlia learns that Natasha was a little girl the same age as as Cecilia who lived in the apartment right above them in 10F which has been causing the water damage to her ceiling via the haunting roof flooding activities going on. Well it turns out that Natasha's mother had disappeared one night seeking care at an inpatient facility for her alcoholism and the dad had left back to his home in Russia leaving Natasha behind through some wild miscommunication. So both of them just dipped out on their kid, left it at the apartment, and then was like, oh, he's with his mom or she's she's with his her mom. Oh, she's with her dad. I don't know how the fuck you do that over a child, but okay.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not
0: even a I'm not even a parent. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, I don't what the fuck. Yeah, they all dropped the ball on that one. So Natasha is played by Perla hate Perla Haney Jardine. She also plays Dahlia in her childhood flashbacks. Um, Perla is also from Rio de Janeiro, just like the director. She has four nominations, with her first film being the daughter in Kill Bill 2. Okay. I remember that. I never watched the Kill Bills until I started dating Andy. <laughs>
1: I, I really like the first one. I don't really care as much for the second one, but...
0: It's been so long since I, I say that and it's been like three years since i've watched them i think I, like I need to rewatch it
1: i think the only reason i really watched the first one is because it had lucy Lou in it and it was right when uh charlie's angels had come out and i was like yeah i want to watch that
0: because she's a badass yes oh speaking of lucy Lou and murder have you ever watched uh why women kill on hbo no it's on paramount i have not that's a fucking great show that you should watch because it has, like, Lucy Liu at, like, more recent times, and she's still just a badass. Um, She's a rich badass in this show. But <laughs> it's really good. I think you'd like it. It's really funny. So, through these unfortunate circumstances of being abandoned and everything, Natasha wandered onto the roof and fell into the water tower where she sub- subsequently drowned. Wow, that was so hard for me to say. Subsequently. This- <laughs> thanks. Subsequently drown. Mr. Vec finds her there, but fears he will go to jail for negligence since uh, he was the one who left the roof unlocked and the water tower open. So he just never reports it and stops cleaning the water tower altogether. No big deal. Because that's what
1: you're supposed to do.
0: Right. Natasha begins haunting the two girls uh, because she wants Dahlia to be her mother since she was abandoned by hers. And in order to save Cecilia from Dahlia's jealous er from Natasha's jealous and murderous wrath, she sacrifices herself um, dying and forever roaming the halls of this crazy, gross apartment complex with Natasha pretending to be her mom so she could save her daughter. Cecilia moves with her dad. I assume she visits the complex every once in a while to catch up with her mom. Because at the very end, you see this cute little, I'll always be here situation. The dad is played by, is it Doug Ray, Scott? Doug Ray or Du Ray? I don't
1: honestly know. It might be like Du Gray.
0: It might be Du Gray. Uh, he is. He was born in Scotland. Um, but he doesn't really have any other horror movies related that uh, to his his filmography other than this um, but he has been at a couple of other things that I've seen before uh, including uh, Mission Impossible 2 where he was a bad guy. He's in a lot of TV shows. He's he's in a lot of TV shows. He was in Taken 3 though
1: and then we don't really get into a lot of detail but Dahlia's lawyer uh, was kind of set up to be like the true hero of the film <laughs> with all that he did for her and he kind of just like swooped in and he's like why are you living in these awful conditions and then like fixes it and then he's the one who's like why is there just a body in the water tank and fixes it um so he was the male lead that just kind of swooped in and saved the day Mm -hmm. but not really because she still died but uh he is played by tim roth who has many movie credits but also not really any horror films or anything i care to mention
0: By chance, is it just me, or do you ever get Tim Roth and Christopher Waltz confused? Because I I used to do that until I realized who Christoph Waltz was. Because they're both in a lot of of Quentin Tarantino movies, and I used to think that they were the same guy, but
1: they're not. I 100% would never get them confused. They look very different to me. (laughs) And they have very different voices. He just has such a creepy voice he makes a great like villain
0: he makes the best villain but also like in Django, he is the best best guy in the world anyways that was my spiel about christoph waltz i just love him in Django unchained i think he's like the best fucking character ever he I would that the other day
1: he would have been um if he were in this movie i could see him being the superintendent oh, easy he just has like that creepy vibe about him <laughs>
0: He does so well in *Inglorious Bastards* with pay- with playing such a villain. So yes,
1: I think that's what I am picturing in my head.
0: I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, but the last one, he's a Nazi. <laughs>
1: um, I'm so sorry about all the dog barking in the background. Uh, we have puppies. So my kid was going to find his friend's house, and he found a lost dog and brought it home. And what a-
0: Good boy. (laughs) Connor's the best. Oh, my gosh. No,
1: I'm so tired of fosters and strays. No, I'm just just, kidding. It's just
0: us as a kid, dude. Are you kidding
1: me? So, funny story. When he was three, we were in PetSmart. And while we were there, the woman who worked there was feeding the guinea pigs or the hamsters or something. And so he watched her open the little, like, drawer cage in and close it. And then he went over there and was trying to open. I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm trying to set them all free. I was like, oh my heart. But sweet boy. Um, yes, yeah, so my dog's barking because the dog is now on our back porch waiting for the owner to come get it. So <laughs> that's why she's barking. But anyways. Um, yeah, so I apologize. Only because it's not a cat. That's my that's my apology. But the last thing that I'll mention from that chat interview with Iglesias is that the Director Salas had lost his mother at a young age, and that was something that he could relate to in the writing and filming of, like, all the emotional baggage that comes with the character of Dahlia. Jennifer Connelly was able to do something similar as she filmed this shortly after having her son. I think she was only, like, six months postpartum or something. Um... so she was able to draw on, like, that fear of, like, leaving your child or losing your child while she was filming those scenes with uh, Cecilia.
0: Man, that pain is all too real for uh, somebody that I know right now. My friend, one of my old high school friends just died and left behind a uh, seven-year-old daughter. Oh, Yeah, I, was, I just went to her memorial a week ago. It was just super sad to see her daughter. But, yeah, this shit's all too real. It's been a rough couple of... this Again, my situation, been a rough couple of weeks, so...
1: Well, maybe she will haunt her child in all the good ways, and it will just be great. <laughs>
0: uh, well, yeah. All right, can, I, can I tell you how some of the grossest things that they used to make this dark water... Um, how would you feel sitting in some uh, non carbonated left out no fuzzy old soda because that's partially what they used for this and i think that's so gross <laughs> but
1: i mean that's what i bathe in so in
0: soda yeah yeah that's in sugar the
1: blood of virgins so
0: dude i can't i can't imagine how sticky that shoot would have been <laughs> with like all of that because they so they used caramel dye that they use and kind of like in coke and stuff to get that like gross color but they also used um flat uh like find out soda to 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 get some of that really gross dark water going and there's a lot of it in the film could be worse
1: it could be just like pond water that they pulled out or like from the hudson or whatever this island of the roosevelt is floating in
0: um in the final bathroom scene where uh she she Where? had to wear, I I figured, um, she had to wear silly putty in her ears because roughly about seventy eight to eighty pounds of shooting water was like falling on her, um, from like jets and basically like jets and stuff like that, and she couldn't really see or hear anything like especially like the little girls in the bathtub or anything, so she was just getting pounded with water. And, she and had I to, can't imagine what that felt like. And she had to
1: do that scene, like, over and over again. She said it was really cold.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine. So, sticky and cold and, and a lot of, lot of weight of water being thrown at you.
1: Uh, that is, like, really the only behind-the-scenes stuff that I could find. So
0: Yeah, there's not a lot.
1: That's basically it. I did want to touch on, like... The oddities of Natasha's ghostliness. It's very, in my opinion, um, not like a typical ghost. So first time you meet Natasha is there's like this weird moment in the elevator where she is seen as like a watery outline holding Dahlia's hand. That's the only ever time that she appears as, like, some weird watery outline. I have no idea why she would have done it specifically in that moment. I know it's because, creatively, I think they just wanted to bring the idea that there was a ghost thing there.
0: It's the first. It was the first scene you get of some sort of entity or something like that being there.
1: I, they could have done it a hundred other ways, but I just thought yeah. th- that was really weird. That's the only time she does that. Then there's like, I don't know, there's this weird thing where she can like project herself into the minds of Dahlia and Cecilia. Because, for example, she talks only to Cecilia during the day. And Cecilia is the first one to like really interact with her besides that little watery handholding moment. And when she's talking to Cecilia, nobody else can hear her. Dahlia can't see her. I'm not sure if Cecilia can see her. She doesn't really give hint that she can. um, But she can definitely hear her. She's talking to her. Natasha can manipulate Cecilia and inanimate objects, however she wishes, in her invisibility mode. But then she can, like, become perfectly present while Dahlia's sleeping and, like, snuggle up with her. And get into her dreams. And that's Mm -hmm. how she knows that Dahlia has an issue with her mom and she projects herself as Dahlia in her dreams as a young girl, which is why it's the same actress playing both. Uh, It's just, it's like, it's really weird. (laughs) I don't know. But I think the obvious idea is that Cecilia is more sensitive because she's younger. That's like the overarching idea. Dahlia is only vulnerable in her sleep And possibly made more sensitive due to the medication use, although I'm not banking on that. Uh, But the director of the Japanese original 2002 version, Hideo Nakata, said, quote, children are closer to the other world than adults are. They can be possessed by the supernatural specifically because they are close to that world. So that's why I was like, maybe that's why.
0: That's also why in a lot of horror movies you see the kids being the one that's first interacted with is because, again, they're easier and closer to that other world realm.
1: They're just too pure. So the other two ideas that I had uh, is that there's also that idea that, like, once you start believing in something, it has more power over you. So once Dahlia, like, finally accepts that Natasha is not just an imaginary friend, but a ghost of the little girl that used to live above them, Mm. then that's the more power natasha has over her she's able to like have her sleep and lose complete days and and then when she's finally like fuck we have to get out of here because natasha's real that's when she fully comes out during the waking day and is present
0: Hmm. what a thought
1: and then the other idea is that the more they come in contact with the water the more natasha can like penetrate them um, because they are literally, like, drinking her and bathing in her. <laughs> and yeah. originally, there's the idea that she's, like, moving through the water because um, she's, like, dripping into the elevator kind of a thing. Right. right. So that was my other thought. Although that's gross. I don't want to think about that.
0: In the original trailer, in the trailer for the 2002 version, mm-hmm. um, a piece of hair falls out of the drain into the girl's cup. And I'm like, I saw that and I was like, whoa gross. Icky. So it wasn't just dark water. Like, she got hair.
1: That's like Like in the ring where she, like, chokes up the whole hair thing. Yeah. Ugh. Icky. For girls with long hair who have swallowed your hair before, I'm so sorry. It's such an awful...
0: It's the worst feeling in the world.
1: The last thing that I want to touch on about Natasha, I don't understand why she was trying to kill Cecilia if her motive was to get Dahlia to be her mom like was she gonna possess Cecilia's body and like take her place in the world or is she just young and stupid and like not stupid I'm sorry she's just young and didn't think it through and impulsive but like I didn't understand why she would try to kill Cecilia that part didn't get me
0: maybe it's like a way of getting back at them at a mom because her mom left her i have no idea i don't
1: know i don't know either um unless it was just purely that she was just like jealous because she's like i want your mom but because i think the first time i watched this i thought uh natasha was killing cecilia so she would have a friend forever so cecilia couldn't leave and that's why Dahlia was like okay well i'll stay with you i'll be your friend um but then i watched it this time and i was like yeah that's not right she just wants a mom but yeah that's my only plot hole where I was like eh, I don't get it but that's it that's everything I have for the 2005 version <laughs> yep not a lot
0: I I, uh, I, I'd been wa- I watched that movie for the first time when I was really really young way back when it was like first on TV and I was like wow this movie's really cool like I really like it it's really creepy and like I look back on that and I'm like this movie's fucking terrible but okay it's not terrible but like it's not great it's
1: obvious it's um, very obvious and yeah. it's
0: and I mean like I, I did catch on to certain things sometimes like from that I didn't miss back in the day when I was a kid to being more aware and more like understanding of what's being said or talked about in in certain aspects so I did catch a couple of things that I had missed prior to this re-watching of it but, yeah, still, still the Darkwater that I remember, minus the fact that I forgot John C. Riley was a part of it.
1: Yeah. I was, I mean, it's a mellow, it's a mellow ghost story <laughs> compared to other yeah. ones. Yeah. Like, it's not as creepy as The Conjuring or anything. No. But very briefly, we're going to run through Darkwater, the 2002 version. I didn't get a chance to watch this, but... Um,
0: watched the trailer. I didn't get a chance to watch it all the way through, um, which is why I knew like that piece of hair and stuff, but
1: from everything that I've read, the 2002 version is better than the American Mm -hmm. version, and it's highly recommended. So.
0: Most anything that is based off a Japanese story will always be better in the Japanese film than it will in American, and it's also going to be ten times freakier in the Japanese film because they know how to do horror properly. (laughs) That's that's my standing on that one. (laughs)
1: So Darkwater 2002, the original title is the same as the short story Honogure Mitsuno Sokokara, maybe. And it was directed by Hideo Nakata, or Nakata Hideo, depending on which culture you are reading that from. And he also directed the original Ring, or Ringu, and Ring 2, or The Ring 2. Among many others, but those are the big ones. Yep.
0: Yeah. So the summary provided by Matthew Daca, du- Duka, Duka, Uh in in his master's thesis, it's called "Lost in Translation: A, a Regressive Femininity in American J Horror Remakes."
1: I went J-horror. to the so Japanese horror in oh, the biz okay, is shortened to J horror. That's like the sub genre. <laughs>
0: my ass is thinking like b-rated horror movies and stuff so i'm like J-horror. they went Jesus all Christ, the way to ABCDEFGHIJ. <laughs> <laughs> so the film starts off with yoshimi matsubara who is equivalent to dahlia uh and she's played by hitomi kuroki i think um she's also in a tv series the ring the final chapter or is you like to put chapter?
1: <laughs> I was channeling my inner "go fuck yourself." Got it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: scan the line right there. Uh, so, in the middle of the bitter of a bitter divorce with her ex-husband, with both of the parents fighting over custody of their daughter Ikuko, I think, which is Cecilia, who in this one is played by Rio Kanō uh, Yoshimi's. Capacity as a mother and mental state are called into question because she was abandoned by her mother as a child and suffered a mild breakdown at her previous job. uh, Proofreading novels that dealt with murder and mysticism.
1: Masochism.
0: Masochism. Cool. Thanks.
1: Um, That is like a notable difference between the original and the remake is the reflection of her mental breakdown and the motive behind it. Um, I'll go into a little bit more detail about that later. Because this... I'm going to link... The citation for this master's thesis—I don't think you can just Google and find it. You'd, you'd have to have access to like a PubMed type thing. Uh, it was a really interesting read. I skimmed through the dark water chapter of it. It was like fifty-seven pages entirely. Um, but yeah, the way that they reflect the mental illness and like her breakdown is very different. And It's because I think uh, director Nakata did it with intent, and he was making a statement about uh, the, like, masochism and uh, violence against women in porn and videos and stuff like that, basically. But he was trying to make a statement with everything, whereas in the American version, they were just like, meh, medication. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Take, Take an aspirin
0: you'll be all right in the morning so intent on proving her abilities to raise uh, aikuko on her own yoshimi's moves to uh moves to a new apartment near an elementary school and gets a new job however strange incidents begin to occur after the mother and daughter move in water relentlessly leaks from i almost said links water relentlessly leaks from the apartment above a child's bag consistently reappears after being thrown away and yoshimi keeps seeing a strange girl in the apartment block despite being told that there are no other children living there
1: so the exact same
0: yeah yoshimi finally discovers that her that a young girl mitsuko the natasha of the film used to live in the apartment above her family but was abandoned and accidentally fell into the water tower drowning Her relentless spirit now haunts the apartment above seeking a new mother whom she has apparently found in Yoshimi. Switching places with Aikuko Matsuko Mitsuko latches on to Yoshimi as a childlike embrace and refuses to let go. Scared that Aikuko's life is in danger if she refuses Mitsuko as her daughter, Yoshimi sacrifices herself to become Mitsuko's new daughter leaving Aikuko behind. A.K.A. exactly what what's going on this
1: so the biggest difference are the endings
0: okay so aikuko returns to the apartment 10 years later at the age of 16 and sees her mother aikuko asks if she can live with with yoshimi again because her father has remarried and has and had more children yoshimi apologizes and said they cannot be together as miss mitsuko stands behind aikuko watching the two of them as Aikuko turns to look behind her, both Mitsuko and Yoshimi disappear. Aikuko leaves the apartment, framed against the bright blue sky. The one time the weather is clear in the film and delivers a brief narration, my mother was here all the time protecting me.
1: There you have it.
0: That is the 2002 version.
1: So, like, ending. the same same, but different.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: So, the thesis paper, as I said, I'll cite at the end, Uh, but they talk about how the original film makes an underlying statement challenging the cultural ideas that femininity is a weakness. Uh, That's like an idea pretty much around the world. The author says that the original film frames the mother's femininity to ultimately be the strength that allows her to overcome the main struggle. However, in Darkwater, Dahlia's femininity it is like, a weakness that gets reinforced over and over and over again. So Dahlia's migraines and her treatment of them become evidence of her inherent weakness. And basically, every time she has a migraine, she takes her medicine and then she, like, re- requests a man to help her or needs a man to do something for her. And the only people who save her are the lawyer um, He's the only one that can get anything done. And so... Uh, and so it becomes like a crutch to Dahlia's lack of inner strength. And Yoshimi struggles through the narrative without the need for pills to deal with the defective world around her. Um, I think part of that is mostly because medicine in japan is different than medicine in the united states in the western medicine we tackle everything with medication (laughs) and we have a different belief system of mental illness whereas in japan um like mental illness itself is a weakness uh and they treat medicine very differently so that's one of the big differences um between those two I think it's just that cultural shift so they had to adapt that to be what I guess they felt was more American which was take pills the main reason I bring this up is that Darkwater in my opinion the 2005 version frames the father as the hero and here's why Uh, everything that he says turns out to be correct he's like you shouldn't move to Roosevelt Island you can't make it on your own true. She doesn't. She fails. (laughs) Uh, She has to secede in the end and be like, okay, well, we'll move next to you. Um, Which makes it look like she was just being a prideful boogaloo and she's the reason everything happened. Uh, He was proven right that she couldn't do it without him. She becomes continually more unreliable as she makes accusations against him, making it seem like she was just some crazy, suspicious wife who has abandonment issues. Because she always mentions like, You were with her. Um, But he makes it seem like he wasn't actually cheating. So, like, you never really find out if he was actually cheating or if she was just assuming it and breaking up their marriage. So at no point is she deemed like a reliable person. Um, She's just the crazy person. And in the end, he's the one who was able to be there for Cecilia. When she goes to the hospital, he's the one who's there for her. When the mother dies, he's the one walking her out the door. You don't get the sweet thing at the end where she goes back and is like, Mom, I miss you. It's just him. I'm sorry, I just hit my microphone. I'm very emphatically talking. Um, it's just him taking her out and being, like, totally fine and happy and okay. So, yeah, that got lost in the 2005 version. It's less about, like, yay motherhood femininity. <laughs> um They just, they lost a lot of that artistic storytelling and points, I guess, that the original was trying to make. But anyways, the short novel, taking it back. According to This Is Horror, writer VH Leslie, the short story is similar in regards to the mother-daughter relationship general plot and the idea that there was like this found object that kind of kicked it all off, which is a common theme in horror and like hauntings in general, that found object. Mm -hmm. And have you ever watched the Tidying Up with Marie Kondo on Netflix? No. So if you know of the Marie Kondo method, then that like found objects thing kind of makes more sense. So she is like a professional declutterer, (laughs) I guess, like a life coach in a way. Yeah. And Netflix made a TV series where she comes to America and she helps different homes with her quote-unquote Marie Kondo method. And uh, she talks about like one of her steps is releasing things that you don't want. But before you just, like, throw away your clothes, you're supposed to, like, take a moment to think them um, and think about, like, what they've done for you and what they've given to you, and then you, like, give it away or whatever you're going to do with it. Uh, So in an interview with HuffPost, Marie Kondo explains that a belief in Japanese culture is that objects have souls. And this idea is related to Shintoism, which is, like, a very old belief system in Japan that is still present, that all things, including objects, have spirits, thoughts, feelings. Uh, They have like energies that we put into them as humans. And these spirits are called kami. Some inanimate objects could gain a soul after 100 years of service, a concept known as uh, tsukumogami. And so... In Japan, there are a lot of people who believe in, like, Shintoism. Uh, They take the time to show gratitude to their house. They treat objects very well. Um, There's an article that I found that says, like, Japan is one of the best places in the world at returning people's lost stuff because they think it's just, like, it's not just, like, that they're polite and they're nice. It's that... It's that's, the belief system, yeah. Yeah, it's the home. That's where it goes. You are respecting the object by respecting the person. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: And so Kondo goes on to say, the more you pay positive attention or respect, the more positive energy they become. If you are treating some objects negatively or neglecting them, they would become energetically negative, she said. By treating your items with respect, kindness and gratitude, you are enhancing the spirit of the given item. From that perspective, by saying thank you, you are respecting the spirit of the items that you're letting go of with gratitude instead of getting rid of them with negativity or force. So, to me, like lost objects that get found could be negative because they weren't shown gratitude or they like their last owner was essentially negative. Um but they just weren't properly sent off. So they're salty about it. But they're not salty because in Japan, salt is part of a purification ritual. So if they were salty, they'd probably be better. So they are peppery about it. There you go. And then last thing about that little tangent is that I found a fan-written article on some website called Amino, discussing the differences between the films and the short story. She says the short story is less like in your face supernatural and has an open ending where the mother just assumes that the girl is in the water tower, but never actually goes upstairs and checks it and finds it. She just is kind of like, there might be a girl in there and then they leave. (laughs) And that's how it ends. (laughs) So the last thing that I wanted to talk about for like this episode real quick um, is Just continue on with like how Japanese horror or J-horror, as they say in the biz, gets kind of like lost in the West. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to the Elisa Lamb.
0: Yes, I know you've all been waiting for us to talk about Elisa Lamb. It's been killing me too. Trust me, I understand. And I will get your fix in. I know too much about this bullshit.
1: I see Katie scrolling, 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 saying, when are we going to get there? I'm ready to talk about it. (laughs) Shut up, bitch. I don't care. So here we are. Japanese horror in the West. I'll talk through this fast. Uh, I took it down. Okay. I, this could have been 20 pages of notes, but it's not. We so have had those before. <laughs> the way that Westerners reacted by, like, scoffing and belittling Marie Kondo's methods when it came out on Netflix kind of just shows how their cultural norms and beliefs can get lost and, like, perverted in the United States Uh Which is a risk taken when remaking J-horror films for an American audience. So director Hideo Nakata has said, quote, This may sound too simple, but Asian ghosts can stand just behind you and can stare at you and don't say anything. They just stand and stare at the main character. And that could be scary from our point of view. Whereas Western movies in general... Western ghosts are an evil existence and are meant to do something to the victims. They attack the victims. So that is a different, oh, I'm sorry. That is a difference, that active feeling, the aggressiveness of the apparition in the Western horror movies, whereas in the Asian ones, it's not. But of course, there are exceptions like the Robert Weiss film, The Haunting, or The Turn of the Screw. These movies, the ghosts were just there. In fact, The Haunting, there was no ghost whatsoever in the movie. So there are some exceptions.
0: We watched
1: that movie a lot too. The Haunting? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I what don't.
0: Is it
1: is? I was like, yeah, I don't Sorry. know what The Turn of the Screw is. so.
0: No, I don't know that one. But I know we watched The Haunting a lot.
1: Uh, Britannica says that one characteristic of Japanese art consistently seen is an understanding of the natural world as a source of spiritual insight and as an instructive mirror of Im- human emotion. So that's that, like Shintoism, practice of anim- animism, I think is the word, um, of objects. Rock outcroppings, waterfalls, gnarled old trees were viewed as the abodes of spirits and were understood as their personification. Reminder. Don't pee on a fallen tree because you might get skinned alive.
0: Yeah, you don't want to do that.
1: Uh, Think of any works by Miyazaki Heio, like My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away, all of those types of films. That's the same idea. Uh, this is an idea that gets lost in America. We kind of just consider things haunted and assume it's because of some sort of nefarious background or that the ghost is evil or they have some sorrible, sort of horrible origin story. Uh, yeah. Which just so happens to be the case in this film. <laughs> but um, that's not the case in a lot of like Japanese horror films. So, Little Natasha is an onryu or avenging spirit. I probably pronounced that incredibly wrong, but... That's how my English reads, so correct me. In Japanese folklore, this is typically depicted as a wronged, typically female entity with long black hair and wide staring eyes. These physiological details are based on the cultural female aesthetic, as long black hair is indicative of like feminine beauty and sensuality, and the image of the gazing female eye or eyes is associated with lady sexy parts. So that whole like... yeah, exactly. Uh, There is a book called Japanese Horror Films and Their American Remakes, Translating Fear, Adapting Culture by Valerie Wee. I couldn't find it available anywhere, so I didn't read it. If I ever read it, I'll do like a brief post about it or something. Um, but if you're like into that idea, go read that book. Apparently it's really good. And it does talk about specifically The Ring, Dark Water, and I think The Message... Is that what that movie's called? The message? The last message? The voicemail? The phone call.
0: Oh, are you thinking about... Um, <laughs> oh, what is it? Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. One missed call. There we go.
1: There you go. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> I was in the ballpark.
0: And with that... <laughs> I had to go searching for it.
1: That brings us to okay. Elisa Lam in the Cecil Hotel.
0: So... The short gist of Elisa Lam's story happened in uh, 2013. Elisa Lam was a Chinese-Canadian tourist who decided she wanted to go on a, se- a solo trip and stay at the Cecil Hotel. If, if you know anything about the Cecil Hotel, it's, there's a lot of shit that's come out of that hotel, including Richard Ramirez that lived there and a whole lot of murders and other things and other problems. So she goes and stays there, which is also just on Skid Row very dangerous place to be for anybody who doesn't know what they're doing uh Elisa lamb she uh she stayed in this hotel was doing a couple things just kind of uh wandering around la and she ended up disappearing on january 31st 2013 on my birthday um that was the last time she was heard of or seen by anybody at uh, around la i think the last person to see her was at a bookstore uh, and she said, and the, the owner of the bookstore was like, yeah, she seemed like she was ready to go home. She bought a book for her sister or something like that. She was, was ready. So,
1: oddly enough, the bookstore was called The Last Bookstore.
0: Yep, it was. So, she disappeared. Nobody knew what happened. Her parents, I think it was 13 days later, um... I'm sorry. Her parents reported her missing on February 1st, the day after she went missing, because she would call them almost every day to let them know what what was going on. Her body was then discovered in the water tower 13 days later when- It's 19 days later.
1: She got found February 19th, 2013.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, She she was- Yeah, okay. So she was found 19 days later in the water tower after complaints from hotel guests and those that were living in the hotel at the time complained of gross smelling water and tasting water and dark water specifically. So that was the first time that they went in and were like, oh, well, let's shock the water tanks. They found Elisa Lamb's Elisa body floating in the water tank naked on February 19th. Um, it was determined that she died on February 1st of a drowning and that was kind of left as that the parents came back a while later and sued the hotel for wrongful it was, was like it?
1: wrongful death due to negligence or something like that yeah
0: it yeah, got yeah, something like that
1: it got dismissed it didn't even make it to the courts but
0: yeah so the biggest evidence that you see about and and some of the only evidence you have from this this case at all is the elevator scene and the elevator footage that has been around streaming through the internet since 2013 when it was first released. And she is acting very odd. She's getting in and out of the elevator. She's looking like she's hiding from somebody or looking from somebody and avoiding things. To and... me, it looks
1: like she is playing like she's playing like an intense game, of hide and seek. Because if you remember us in hotels as a kid, that's Those the shit terrible. that we looked like,
0: too. So bad. Yeah, we probably looked fucking crazy on those cams. But they thought that was very weird. And she stayed in this elevator for a fairly long time. In approximately a two and a half minute long of footage video. Uh, she makes unusual movements and gestures. She holds her hands in weird ways. Um, she leaves the elevator at one point while the doors stay open. And then she comes back in. Now the door stays open for a fairly long time. Which me makes me think that she has like the door hold button. Or one of those like open buttons for like moving because again this this hotel was also a place that people lived in for a long time so a lot of speculation has gone into this about maybe she was on drugs she was just off of Skid Row um, she also had uh, she was known to have bipolar disorder and she was known to be ha- and knew to have psychotic episodes every once in a while uh, when she didn't take her meds and things like that and so there's just a whole bunch of
1: Okay, I'm gonna story. take you back real quick. If someone yeah. has a bipolar disorder, it's not a psychotic episode; it's a manic episode. They're different. I'm, I'm
0: just reading what different the, the, things. the notes specifically to her case said.
1: But so that's the only uh, reason
0: I said that. But yes, you are right. It's known as a manic episode, not a psychotic episode, because multiple different things goes into bipolar. That that whole thing is crazy.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. You're fine. Because you did not preface this at all by saying we are giving bare minimum details <laughs> for this Sorry. case.
0: Sorry. I um, should have prefaced that a lot.
1: There's a whole bunch of hullabaloo with this uh, because yeah. internet sleuths, as soon as they released that video of her on the elevator, people went batshit crazy. Uh, oh, yeah.
0: well, and it's, it's, odd, it's odd footage for sure.
1: To piggyback off of that, like they did the autopsy report um, and they are the ones who decided it was an accidental drowning. And the autopsy report, she didn't have any drugs in her system that weren't prescribed medications. Uh, Some people, uh, internet sleuthing, (laughs) have said that she was potentially mistaking her medications. Like she wasn't taking them the way she was supposed to because she was like missing doses or something is what they think. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that whole thing. Yeah, I just wanted to like throw that in there real quick before everyone was like, Wow, yeah. you guys you
0: guys missed a lot. <laughs> but we're yeah, no we're very minimal skipping through this situation. Yes,
1: there's it's you can find the good details about this all over the place. There's a hundred podcasts. There's a Netflix there's
0: a bunch of documentaries. A Netflix one that just came out that's like a three short episode one. Yeah. Um, there's so... the Cecil Hotel, which kind of covers on it. Uh, if we want to mention one of my favorite singers skinned she does a song about elisa lamb and recreates the elevator footage and stuff like that again you should check her out she's fucking amazing currently uh, made a new song about uh, michelle carter and about uh, the killings in longmont so yes 19 days later elisa lamb was found naked in the um, water tank all of her clothes were floating in the water tank with her as to believe that she had what was hypothermia and therefore took all of her clothes off in the middle of trying to survive in the water tank
1: i forgot what i was gonna say oh a lot of the internet sleuthers i guess Mm -hmm. the like most unfortunately the most like pervasive rumors about what happened are like supernatural in nature mostly because of that elevator footage do you know about the elevator game Have you heard that?
0: That was something I was going to ask you about, is if you knew. I don't know a lot of the detail of it. I just knew it was a thing.
1: So I couldn't tell you specifically what it is. If you really want to know, Google it. It's the elevator game. Um, I know we plug them for free all the time, but (laughs) Morbid in Ash's episode, she gives incredible detail about how it works. So what the elevator game is, is you get into an elevator that has a certain number of floors or some shit and you press the buttons in a particular manner that you go like up to the third floor down up to the set like you just you do a certain order and then you go to the like
0: has to be a building. building of 10 floors building has to have 10 floors
1: and then you go to a certain floor at the end and when you get off the elevator you're supposed to be in like an other world um and you can see spirits and whatever and then yeah. If you don't end the game properly, the idea is that you are still in that world and you never leave it. And so one of the more interesting theories is that she was playing the elevator game and because she was potentially not taking her medications the way she was supposed to, uh, she had like a manic episode and it freaked her out um, and somehow she ended up on the roof.
0: Yeah. Um, this game does originate from Korea as well. And I did just post a link if you want to look at like this way. It has like a, a step-by-step
1: I'll be honest. description
0: of it. We should rec- would...
1: record ourselves doing it one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was worried about being like, I don't know if I'd ever do this.
1: Not at this hotel. Um, oh, but fuck no. We should. But so um, do you, you have know. anything else... Case-wise, that you wanted to throw in,
0: um, not necessarily case-wise, but I did want to make some um, weird similarities and differences between Elisa Lam's case and Dark Water. Yeah,
1: so the whole reason we're even bringing this up, um, it's not just because she's a girl who died in a water tower. <laughs> no. There are quite a few coincidences. A lot,
0: uh, and, a, and because of these coincidences, a lot of people think that Elisa Lam killed herself for this
1: i think that's bullshit i don't think she i
0: do i do too i don't think she killed herself in any way to reciprocate this but a lot of people have been like it's exactly like dark water
1: i think in real world it had nothing to do with dark water it just so happened to be very similar but
0: and i questioned myself when i first remembered about dark water and elisa lamb and i was like which one happened first because i couldn't remember and i thought elisa lamb had died first and then the movie was made and it was the opposite
1: so just to remind you listeners, this happened 12 years, right, after.
0: Yeah, so the movie was made into that world. Well, yeah. The movie was in, J- in Japan, was made in 2002, recreated in 2005 here. Elisa Lam died in
1: 2013. Cool. So 10-ish, 11 yeah. years. Okay. But, um, yeah, so what we're going to talk about real quick is the things we noticed that were coincidental so just to preface this when i was googling um to see what other people found it's literally like one person wrote some stuff down and everyone else just copied and pasted it like they are almost typed verbatim uh, which is super annoying and none of them are like even like whoa they're very obvious ones like oh there's a girl in a water tower
0: (laughs) yeah so Um, some of the ones Go ahead. Well, one of the oddest things that I want to point out is you brought up TB back when you were talking about the history of Roosevelt Island. Um, well, back in I think it was around 2013 or so when there was a big tuberculosis outbreak in uh, Skid Row and things like that, the government uh, administered tuberculosis tests in that area called uh, titled Lamb Elisa. And that had to do with like the name of the 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 like tuberculosis strain, uh, and like the um, it was also believed that the it's it's a really 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 long name, and I cannot say it to save my life. But they believed that this uh, lamb disease was released as like almost like a a, 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 a weapon of war for a moment but that was just a coincidence another another random coincidence i pulled out was the daughter's name is cecilia and elisa lamb died at the cecile hotel just saying it's a little weird names are kind of the same also the black
1: dahlia if you know that story yes Um, her original name is elizabeth short to pay homage to that poor victim Yes, she was found dead after spending a lot of time at the Cecil Hotel
0: yeah and like I said Richard Ramirez was, lived at the Cecil Hotel which has nothing would... to do with this movie no no it doesn't yeah. but um, the elevator scenes that you see in Dark Water are near exact to the I, like the way that the elevator camera was set up in the Cecil Hotel of um, Elisa Lam's which, elevator footage to me isn't most of them are set up like that i yeah,
1: think that's not too wild it's there's two corners to pick from so yeah.
0: <laughs> but i think it's I, I just always found that interesting
1: what yeah. i thought was interesting about that is that the last scene footage of elisa lamb is in an elevator and in the 2005 version they chose to have the last image of the mother inside an elevator they don't do the thing where she comes back and hangs out with her in the hotel apartment or the apartment whatever um so they were both seen last time in an elevator there is of course the obvious thing where she was found in a water tank um she was wearing a red sweater or a red jacket or something it's A red
0: sweatshirt it was a zip up hoodie
1: um and i think natasha was wearing red is it natasha that was wearing red
0: yes in the movie she's wearing a red coat
1: There's that, there's the whole thing with mental illness coming into play and people misusing medications accidentally, Mm -hmm. probably, basically it. Oh, and then, if she was playing the elevator game, I'm just saying, there were only 10 floors in the apartment complex. Mm -hmm. I just remembered that. Because then it's the roof from there. Yep. Uh, They were both found by the superintendents yep and yeah there is so much into this case there's like the weird theories katie was talking about where like the government was testing tuberculosis strains there's supernatural stuff um i don't think any single person has actually been like hey there's a murderer like no one's been able to pinpoint a legitimate person in association with this There's this weird thing where she was very prevalent on, I think she had a blog or something, uh, social media. she
0: did an online, it was like an online journal that she kept. Uh,
1: I think she had predated some of her posts, and so they were releasing after her date of disappearance. Um, And so some people were like, oh, that's weird. Somebody must have forced her to do those. But I think she just had them queued up. Uh, but yeah, there's you a You
0: can schedule posts, people. You can schedule posts. It's not hard.
1: There's a lot that goes into it. We ourselves, speaking of doing extra content, because we're trying to create shorter episodes, um, more streamlined, I'm going to say streamlined episodes. <laughs> yeah. We are going to start doing 30 minute episodes, and I'm going to have Katie set a timer at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> right. Uh, That are going to be focused on something extra. Uh, So for this episode, we're going to do one that's the history of the Cecil Hotel. Cecil Hotel, however you pronounce it.
0: There's so Uh, much crazy history with that hotel.
1: um, And then I think, Katie, that should be like your episode. You talk about that one.
0: I watch too much true crime bullshit. Uh,
1: I want to talk about Japanese ghosts. Uh, They have like their own whole thing so we're gonna ha- we have a couple short episodes that are gonna come out in between our longer episodes we're gonna try and do more stuff like that it'll help us stay on top of a schedule i think um and it will give you guys more content to enjoy guys and gals and everything in between uh our horror cats <laughs> so say. um if you have anything from previous episodes that you want us to like go in depth about please hit me yeah. up I've been making a list of stuff where I was like, man, I wish I could have talked for more about that. But they are going to be short, sweet, to the point. Uh, We're going to do some fun things. We'll have games. We're hoping to get some guests, uh, stuff like that.
0: If we ever end up doing this elevator game, we'll post it.
1: That will be one of our 30 minutes.
0: That's so scary. That's such a scary fucking thought.
1: I totally forgot. Uh, There was one more thing to Darkwater that I wanted to talk about
0: going to say are you going to skip this whole ending or not like we have other like movie recommendations to give people too
1: i was i was just so excited to um share that we were going to have more content okay there's a website called common sense media um i think the intent of it is for the site to help parents decide if they are choosing movies appropriate for their kids based off their age they have a section that allows kids to review movies for parents to read and there is one for dark water here are a few of the kid reviews A great movie, epic thriller, keeping you thinking way after the movie is over. Way too scary for little kids, though. There's no blood or fakie stuff. This movie has a ghost, but it really plays on how memories can haunt you, more than it's a ghost story. This film feels like it could be real, making it the perfect thriller. Rated the movie as too much violence.
0: I know it's for kids, but it's fucking hilarious. Too much violence. As I'm over here, like, raving about Rob Zombie's movies. (laughs) I
1: wish I was good at impersonations and I would do these in kid voices.
0: <laughs> Here, let's see if I can do this one. Okay. I watched both versions of this movie, the Japanese and the English version. Oh, this is terrible children's voice. Hang on. <laughs> I, I was getting into a little, little key character. Little key character. I get this. I get this. I watched both versions of this movie and the Japanese and the English version and the Japanese one was definitely scarier. The English version wasn't bad, it just wasn't nearly as scary, and the acting wasn't great either. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love it, keep going.
0: If you're only going to watch one version, watch the Japanese one. The kid, oh, (laughs) kid. (laughs) The movie is probably too scary for kids under 10. With a little language, this one, uh, this is one of the better horror movies out there, so I recommend it. I don't even know what, how the age these kids are supposed to be, goddammit. I have no idea.
1: Uh, the ages were listed on the website. They were like, I think, 9 to 13 or something like that. Dark Water was a little bit scary. And it was bad words in it. The sequence is a little bit tangled up with me. The ghost girl wants to be the other girl's mom. That's why I gave it a free star. three supposed to be three (laughs) um and also my friends are all under age like eight or seven so if you like the wing watch this horror movie
0: what fucking parents are letting their kids watch the ring and shit at the age of seven and eight i mean granted like i did that but like i was sneaking those movies away from my parents watching them in the basement without them knowing well
1: it's even easier now because of the internet Oh, oh, Stop guess, being such a gen millennial or whatever they call us.
0: I think it's more just like I'm thinking about like the parents compared to when I was a kid. I was like, I want to watch this movie. And oh, they said, there's my kid voice. God damn it.
1: <laughs> so movie recommendations. The ones I came up with were very obvious. The Ring, The Grudge, The Uninvited, only because it's another J-horror adaptation. Uh, and then Rosemary's Baby because it's mentioned and I've never seen it. Do you? Yeah. Do you have any others?
0: Nope. Those would be pretty much spot on oh. for me with these kinds of, with this kind of movie.
1: Katie's recommending every Rob Zombie ever made. Um,
0: I, I'm gonna tell you right now, go fucking watch them because they're such good movies and like, oh, they're so good.
1: Uh, I am gonna start. Posting links to stuff that we reference at the end of our show descriptions or whatever. So, if you want to read any of the articles and stuff we found. I will also post this directions to the elevator game. uh, If that's something you choose to fuck with or not. And now, should you wish... To tell us if you've played the elevator game or send us movie recommendations or tell us if you liked this movie and what you thought about it, please.
0: Or you've listened to Skind and you want to tell me how much you love her just like I do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sounds <laughs> yeah. like something that would take 30 minutes to talk about.
0: <laughs> Dude, I could talk for days about Skind and her music. It is perfect. If we do a true crime episode, Skind will be mentioned at all times.
1: Send us anything on Gmail at
0: horrorcatswitchhats at gmail dot com. I almost forgot our Gmail first. <laughs> yes. Anyways, Instagram, Facebook. Wow. wow. I don't know.